in, in the spirit of balance, it has produced some of the great um, global ambassadors for Ireland, Dion. You know, uh, Shane Lowry. We we don't want to we don't want to steamroll Esker Hills, do we? Not it's yet. Not the golf spin. No, no, no. We're not. We're not. Fuck balance on golf. <laughs> like if you want to get into golf, like golf. You know, we've in Ireland we've seen a whole controversy. You know, around politicians attending a golf day and golf dinner when the country was in some form of lockdown. I would suggest that again, that it's a disease, that draw. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus, why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello, comrades, and you're very welcome to the Football Spin. It's a football spin on a Friday morning ahead of a packed weekend of Premier League action. Well, you know, we'll get to some of that a little bit later, but it's all about the transfer merry-go-round at the moment. And indeed, the return of Premier League's, one of its, pro- one of its prodigal sons, potentially looking more and more like he is going to be back in the white of Tottenham Hotspur. That's, of course, Gareth Bale. And uh, Ruben Pinder's here. Dion Fanning is here. Obviously, like, we're looking for signs. We're looking for hints, clues, leaks, whatever it is, just to just to confirm this. And the moment I myself kind of believed that uh, Gareth would be back in the Premier League is uh, it's a leaked picture. I'm looking at the male here who've got it, possibly a pack full, but never mind that. It's a leaked picture of uh, tea times from the beautiful Hadley Wood Golf Club uh, designed by the same man who designed the Augusta Golf Course just to give you an idea of how beautiful it is not far from Spurs training ground also interesting and booked in for tea times today include Gareth Bale Steve Hitchin and Daniel Levy like what more do you need Dion it's a, it's a done deal you know one of the things one of the things uh, football clubs have learned over the years and they've learned it kind of through a lot of uh, a lot of pain is that, you know, one of the key things with a new signing is to make sure that they assimilate. Like there was all those stories, you know, players would have come from uh, some player coming to kind of play in, in Middlesbrough, coming from, you know, Brazil and nobody just sitting there in an empty house with no electricity, not knowing any and nothing how to communicate. And the club's just letting fend for themselves and then wondering, why does this guy not, why is this guy homesick? Um, and they, they, Helping players assimilate became, uh, you know, it's a key part of most progressive clubs these days. You know, they'll get them, help them with their broadband, help them with their electricity, provide interpreters if they need them, and make sure that they can do everything possible so that when the player goes out to play play at the weekend or to play for the club, he has no worries. Um, now, it doesn't take a lot of due diligence to understand that the way to Gareth Bale's heart is through golf uh, and that is what Tottenham Hotspur and Daniel Levy are doing here but and this is the big but and this is a, a huge huge question mark over this signing um, we, what will we will discover over the next few months is whether Gareth Bale's devotion and obsession with golf is simply uh, a byproduct of the disillusionment he felt at Real Madrid, or if something more profound has happened, and it, and, and it happens all the time with people who play golf. Um, 
<clears throat> Dean Martin, Dean Martin's manager, Dean Martin was so obsessed with golf that on every film he ever made, he had a golf net built just to the side on, on, on the sound stages. There was a golf net so he could step off the set and hit a few shots and then go back and film, film again. And whenever filming was stopped for the day, if he had time, he was on the golf course. Whenever he had a day off, he was on the golf course. If you needed to find him, he was on the golf course, which isn't actually, it wasn't that easy to do with those days. If you wanted to find him, he was never anywhere to be found except a golf course in the Los Angeles area. Um, and as anyone who was, maybe if you listen to that Malcolm Gladwell Revisionist History podcast about golf, you will understand that there are a lot of very fine uh, golf courses in LA taking up a lot of valuable real estate. Um, but Dean Martin's manager, he was asked about golf and he said, the simple thing, he said, it's a disease. He said, <laughs> it's a disease. So now we just need to establish if Gareth Bale is suffering from disease or if it's just it's still a hobby. because <laughs> And it was just something that he used yeah. to pass the time. Because otherwise, you know, there is, like, you know, it, it's, it's fine. He can, he can manage both. But uh, the fact that he is on a, on, his, on a golf course on his very first day would say that this is something that now uh, takes up um, takes up a huge amount of his, his time and his mental energy. Now, maybe, again, like so many people who play golf, it says, you know, it's a great game uh, for switching off. It's a great game to, you know, you forget about all your worries, you forget about all your troubles, and God, did he have worries and troubles uh, as an incredibly high-paid paid player doing nothing at Real Madrid. But it will be interesting to see how he accommodates the two because he, do, he will, everybody is anticipating, and it does seem to be a no like a win-win situation for Bale and Tottenham. Like those seem to be kind of an obvious signing that has no very little downside. But are we going to see Bale in a few months going, say, the way of I mean, a number of players, but Julian Dix decided to become a full-time golfer. What? Uh, that is news? I'm pretty sure he did. We can edit this if he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> What a story. Yeah, he did. Julian Dix, yeah. pro golf. Yeah, he did. Yeah, there we go. Athletes who tried their hand at professional golf. Julian Dix. Uh, sensational. Yeah. Um, so it, it gets into uh, Ivan Lendl. Yeah, Julian Dix. Uh, Can you imagine Julian Dix driving, fairness? It's probably like long as Tiger Woods. That left. He's a lefty. He's a lefty, isn't he, Julian? Yeah, Dix? but he might not have been a left-handed golfer. Who knows, you know? Um, what is, is Gareth Bale a right-handed or left-handed golfer, Ruben? Um, I think he is a right-handed golfer. Just I'm trying to I'm trying to replay clips in my head that I've watched while making a video about him. I think he putts with as like a right-hander. I'm not sure, but um, I I I hope they're fil- they're filming some sort of announcement video uh, along a golf theme. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, just to really kind of. Because it's, it's a PR, it's That's a PR what should do. yeah, it's a PR transfer ultimately as well, with a bonus of maybe being great on the pitch. Um, so you've got to go all in on that in that sense. Um, and as Dion mentioned, like he needs to uh, feel at home, and he needs all of that golf stuff around him to to be happy. And in Spain, of course, he has that replica of the seventeenth hole at TPC Sawgrass in his back garden, which he probably won't have in London. 
So I wonder what they're going to do. Thankfully, there is a putting green at Hotspur Way, um, just outside the front of the training ground. So if if we go into another lockdown or whatever, or he's feeling a bit homesick and the golf course is shut or whatever, he's always got that at Hotspur Way. So I think he'll he'll settle back in just fine. But there are a lot of, uh, again, there are probably a lot of fine golf courses. There are a lot of fine golf courses uh, in Hertfordshire, Hertfordshire yeah. around there. Probably, again, uh, if I had my way, uh, you'd seize all of those and you know build social housing on them. Same in Ireland. If uh, Look at all those lovely golf clubs around Dublin, Paddy. Imagine what you could do. Imagine how you would help the housing crisis if we took them into public ownership and... Uh, uh, it, it is. It is. Uh, there's amazing in in that. I recommend that Malcolm Gladwell um, podcast on golf. He does. There is some. I can't remember the exact figures, but he says you know if if you uh, if you use the same ratio of participants to to size in 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 basketball as you have in golf, where maybe there's like ninety people on this vast land. Uh, at any one time, if you were to use it for basketball, a, a basketball court would be, I can't remember, it's, a, it's like 38 acres or something. That's how big a basketball court would have to be to uh, to replicate it. It is an incredible waste of resources uh, and mental energy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, it, it, um, and, and it's not fun unless you're really good. Well, yeah. Well, well, I think that's in, in, the, in the spirit of balance. It has produced some of the great um, global ambassadors for Ireland, Dion. You know, uh, Shane Lowry. We we don't want to. We don't want to steamroll Esker Hills, do we? Not it's yet. Not the golf spin. No, no, no. We're not. We're not Shane Lowry. Fine. Yeah, but like, golf spin. <laughs> golf spin. Yeah. Um, uh, no, but also, if you want to get into golf, you know, fuck balance on golf. Like, if you want to get into golf, like. Golf, you know, we've in Ireland we've seen a whole controversy, you know, around politicians attending a golf day and golf dinner, um, when uh, the country was um, in some form of lockdown, and uh, and I would I would suggest that again, that just that that it's a disease that draw that draw of a game of golf, and then they ended up having a dinner in a room that they, that was supposedly two rooms, but actually was effectively one room. Uh, thereby contravening the old regulations and totally shattering the uh, obeying the new regulations. But I would say that what drew so many people there to that that day was the idea of playing golf. The uh, the lure, the lure, the just the the idea of a of a of a of a game of golf on a on a beautiful links course maybe. Um, drew them there and they abandoned all judgment. This is what it is. This is what it does to you. This is what it does. These are the leaders and the most like the most important figures in, in Irish public life, you know, ministers, uh commissioners, judges, all these people. And they all came out apologizing, saying, you know, I had a, it was a terrible error of judgment. What happened to them? What happened to them? Golf got into their head. That's what happened to them. It just drew them. And it drew them out the way, and the way other, the way other mental obsessions, the way other addictions mean you you lose all sense and good judgment. This is what happened to them, and this is what happens to people who go down the road of golf. Uh, they abandon all balance and all moderation, and they go down the road. And if you know, there, there, as we said, there is no, uh, there's very little downside. It seems to be to this to this transfer, but this is the one 
red flag I would have. This is the one warning sign I would have is how much how much time does Gareth Bale spend thinking about golf? Probably more than he spends thinking about football. That that might be okay though. That might be fine. He still could do it for Spurs on uh, on the field on that slightly smaller patch of green grass that they have in in Hertfordshire. I remember. I uh, uh, you know, but is it that is he going out there and thinking? Uh, uh, you know, this like <laughs> it was awesome golf. But I remember. I remember once, uh, I won't name the player, although I might have done it before, I can't remember, but I remember once watching an Ireland training session, Ireland were train, playing away somewhere, and uh, as the players, there were, you know, the number of players who were doing very well for themselves at the time, and probably were at, it was at that moment when people felt that some of these players weren't, uh, were being indulged a bit too much, or were overindulged, and I remember... Uh, watching these players stepping off the team bus to go for a training session and there was a lovely football pitch there beautifully manicured pitch and I just heard one of the players say to another said that reminds me must give my gardener a call <laughs> oh god and uh, no. you know no. and no and that's and that's what you you know when you, when Gareth Bale is stepping out there he's, is he thinking this is this is where I belong or is he thinking you know this would look lovely to be honest, I I, I don't think it will I don't, I don't think it will matter that much if he doesn't think about football that much because if you watch All or Nothing, it seems like Jose doesn't speak doesn't think about football that much either. Um, we've spoken about it recently about um the documentary, but watching uh, I read a piece at the weekend um about Tottenham against well when they played against Everton and Jose's calling their pressing lazy. And the piece basically explained that it wasn't lazy. It was just incoherent and not organized. So Jose doesn't really have a coherent plan. So Bale doesn't need to be fully focused on football. He just needs to go out there, jog around, and every now and then smash one into the top corner. And, and will he, that will be seen just, as a success. Okay. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. No, no, I was going to ask Ru- I was actually going to ask Ruben about that. Do you think that's what it is? Is that mm. is that the thinking behind this Bale transfer? There's nothing because... Like that is uh like that is clearly the, 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 the way Jose Mourinho's sides are developing. Yeah, they're they're massively reliant on individual moments now because I mean it's it's not a new thing, it's not a secret. Like he doesn't really coach what drilled attacking patterns into his team and apparently he doesn't actually have the uh, equivalent of like a coherent defensive strategy either, because if you've you've seen it in the dock, they will kind of be compact deep in the first half then they'll go one nil down and then at half time he'll be like we need to press them fucking hell we need to press them high and it's like well you need to coach your players during the week on how to press like 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 Liverpool and so many other teams do um so I I think in the absence of proper tactics um having a player that specializes in creating something out of nothing and well just like he did before he left that 12-13 season under AVB it was basically work the ball to Bale and he will score from range um I mean obviously they had some other good players in that team as well like Defoe scored enough goals up front but it was very much like Bale will create something from outside the box and and he'll probably smash it top top bins and I think that's kind of why it might be the perfect signing for them right now because they they just need somebody that's gonna be able to affect a game from outside the confines of like a system um and hopefully for spurs he'll be able to do that but um 
I just wonder how Mourinho is going to find a way of still playing Musa Sissoko and Lucas Moura at all times because that's apparently his favorite thing in the world. But it doesn't like this. This is kind of interesting because this is getting into the. It's a fascinating thing, which I think is even more pronounced these days. That like that stuff is all that's that's what it should be about. But actually, the transfer itself is is what it is about for Tottenham. This is this is good news for Tottenham. This is getting some endorphins going. Yeah, massively. It's, it's all for PR. Yeah, but it's, it's, but it, but but it's the entire transfer market. Like this is like I I you know I read this morning about. Uh, a piece on ESPN where Manchester United are growing increasingly frustrated at the social media frenzy around their transfer activity and believe it is creating a cloud of negativity ahead of their start to the new Premier League season. Uh, The club are aware of the intense criticism received on Twitter and other social media platforms after Tottenham, uh, you know, uh, after Tottenham's activity and, uh, um, with social media playing an increasingly bigger role in how footballers and clubs market themselves, United interest, United's interest in how their transfer dealing are discussed by fans and the media became apparent during a conference call with investors on Friday. On Friday. Um, and then it was a quote from Ed Woodward, despite being linked in the media to 111 players in January, one, one, our acquisition of just one of them, Bruno Fernandes, is an important step, demonstrating our commitment to adding experienced world-class recruits to the exciting crop of academy graduates that are at the, that are at the heart of this developing team, Ed Woodward said. Um, uh, our old friend Richard Arnold is there uh, pointing out that the Igalo signing, Igalo was the top trend worldwide on Twitter, Richard Arnold said. Um, Not for uh, the right reasons. No. But, but this does point, and this isn't, like Manchester United perhaps are foolish in kind of uh, highlighting this, but this is, uh, uh, this is clearly something that, again, you see all you see footballers of all clubs losing any sense of reason and perspective uh, around the transfer market. Um, like Liverpool fans being a classic example this year and last summer when uh, everything seemed to be forgotten because everything that they achieved on the pitch seemed to be forgotten because they weren't making the big signings that they felt were essential. And having not made the big signings that everyone considered were essential last year and won the league, you would expect that everyone this year would go, it's okay, we did this before and actually won the league for the first time in 30 years. There's no need to panic. But instead, everybody panicked. Uh, Yeah. But it's and, this thing about if you don't improve, then you stagnate, and everybody will overtake you, isn't it? Well, there, that that's true as well. That there, that's the that's the benign way of looking at, at the panic. Uh, there, the other way of looking at it is that there's just you know, we just want something new. We want something. Thiago, you know, Liverpool. Thiago may be a good signing for Liverpool, but Wijnaldum has been an excellent player for Liverpool. Now maybe he will or won't leave and go to Barcelona, but in mo- in a lot of Liverpool supporters eyes this is a this is a, a good exchange if it happens because uh Thiago is is shiny and new um, yeah I know what you mean he's also a brilliant footballer he's a brilliant footballer he is a brilliant yeah, footballer no, you're right there is definitely this just this clamoring for any transfer activity just so that you can kind of celebrate it and see the you and fans just see any business as good business when Liverpool already have a title winning squad 
so yeah there, there is definitely that but when i think in, in in with regard to tiago when the opportunity to sign a player like him comes up for that price um he's the same age as one elder i think i think you have to take it so i could see why fans might be getting agitated like why are we delaying this is a great opportunity but at the same time basically all football fans just want as much business as possible hence the term like you know they oh they've won the transfer window um which i'm i'm going to be i'm looking forward to watching chelsea over the next few weeks see how they click um obviously like Ziyech and Chilwell are still injured so i'll give them a bit of time but um yeah they they like chelsea have done loads of business and have spent loads of money and they've got very good individual players will it work mm, who knows probably probably but maybe not to the extent that everybody thinks um so yeah in short like every, the transfer windows become as important as games and that's quite depressing well i suppose also the fact is that for the top clubs and for manchester united if we can still include them amongst the top clubs we can um i'm just joking uh is that um the the next tier are also splashing the cash and so you'll see from united fans oh my god like if, if everton can do this and wolves can do that well, why aren't we doing the thing that everybody else is doing? We've just signed the lad from Dawson's Creek and nobody else. And what's going on? Why aren't we splashing the cash? Which I suppose is a frustration. And then that, and I just checked the app store. You mentioned Richard Arnold there. 4.6, Dion. 4.6, Yeah, I need to do something about the app that. Store. Um, but you see, that is, the, but you, the, the, uh, it is the classic example. The transfer market is the classic example of hope over experience. because. Uh, Every new signing, like Alexis Sanchez was celebrated by Manchester United fans. Uh, Lazar Markovic was celebrated by Liverpool fans. Uh, and, you know, and there is a sweet spot too. Now, Thiago is, is, um, is excellent. And, like, and he, he kind of hits the sweet spot because he's, he's, he, he's incredibly well known, but he also has um, an astounding pedigree but he is, and he, but and he also is, you know, he's just bringing something kind of different. So it's a perfect, uh, perfect transfer. And as, as Ruben says, it is, you know, a bargain. So there's lots of reasons to get excited. But there are also other times when you will see far greater excitement about, say, a Markovic uh, than if Liverpool signed like James Milner. I, I'd like to get, you know, the Richard Arnold on this just to show me, show me the numbers. Uh, because you know something that is exotic and unknown, and um, creates its own sense of mystery, um, whereas uh, whereas this you know something that is um, more ordinary are just coming from uh, coming from the toughest league in the world, to quote Tim Sherwood. Well, um, well, Dion, I'm. I'm glad you did bring us back there. I'm, I'm glad you brought us back to Tim because I do want to talk about. I want to bring us back to Spurs as well, because um, Bale is just one leg of this um, twin, this this dual approach. This probably a double signing today, um, and the other player is is Reguilon from uh, Madrid as well. And Dion mentioned Tim Sherwood. He uh, he's one of the new the newbies on the Sky Sports panel, and what an addition he has been. Uh, from last week, suggesting that Carlo Ancelotti would have been sacked in any other season after his four and a half months in charge at Everton, um, forgetting the seemingly forgetting that uh, Marco Silva had been in charge, and then Duncan Ferguson, he's been having a say on Spurs transfer activity. Well, he's he's got to sign, you know, Reguilon from uh, Real Madrid, yeah, so, so that should that should 
put yeah, that in there. But, but we don't know if he's any good. You know, it's all right bringing these names in from, from uh, foreign countries where they never played in the Premier League. This is the toughest league in the world. And it might take him 18 months to settle. He might have a new manager. In state of him. <laughs> the toughest Honestly. league in the world. The, the, the idea that... Uh, uh, it's just... so. How many times do players need to come to the Premier League from, as he would say, foreign countries and have an immediate impact to, for pundits to stop spouting this line about how do we know if he's any good, he might take 18 months to settle. Some players do take a few months to settle. Some players hit the ground running. And and it's the same for players that join from like other Premier League clubs. It's, it, oh, it's just such nonsense. Yeah, and, and it's like it's not even like he plays in, say, South America or... Portugal, like the one of the slightly smaller European leagues, like he won the Europa League. Somebody of Tim Sher- in Tim Sherwood's work job should be watching that game, and this, and and they played United in the semi final. Hence, why United were so keen to get him. Like we do know he's good. He also played for Spain a, a week or so ago. It's like, <sighs> well, like the entire success of the toughest league in the world uh, is predicated upon players uh, from foreign countries. Um, there would be no Premier League. The Premier League, England is the host venue for the Premier League. Like this, is, this has been the magic of the Premier League, the beauty of the Premier League, the joy of the Premier League, that it, is, uh, it, it harnesses all that is great about English football and then has brought, brought this element of you know, players from around the world and managers from around the world wanting to come there and, and, and play in it, you know, obviously a lot of time for money. But that is that is the secret of it. And if you're, you know, this is not this is not new. This is not news. The the Premier League. If you want to see what the Premier League was like uh, before, we, when it was the toughest league in the world, and there were no uh, foreign players in it, look at look at the English First Division in the 1980s. That's what it was like. Uh, um, and the Premier League is something entirely different. And you know, for 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 Tim Sherwood still to be you know, trotting this out about how tough it, you know, we don't know anything about this guy and we don't know how, you know, how, how's he going to settle um, in the toughest league in the world, a league that Liverpool won by 18 points last season, uh, a league that there were 15 points, another 15 points between second and third, um, and then, you know, a whole host of teams like bunched together between you know, with, with sort of 10 points between them, 12 points between them, including Sheffield United and Burnley. Like, it's not, uh, it is not some outstanding uh, centre of excellence that uh, is kind of, you know, um, beyond the, the ken of, of players coming from other leagues. This is, this is, it is something that they have time after time demonstrated that they can master. Yeah, that that kind of that advertising line of it being the toughest league in the world, as it like was maybe true once, and it just stuck. And it's the best, it's the best piece of advertising ever because people still buy into it when it's like evidently bollocks. Um, it's just, and and even when people say it's the most entertaining league in the world, maybe, but it, it ultimately it's just that you you are entertained by the football that you care about and that you have a vested interest in, basically. Um, and that's why, you know, in Spain, people will find La Liga more entertaining because they have a vested interest in it. So, yeah. But there's an underrated line in that in that Sherwood clip when he says he might get a new manager. It's like, well, yeah, I'd hope so. Because 
it'll probably do well, better under anyone that, else. That yeah, slipped in there very nicely. Yeah, but and it's not the first time Sherwood has has said these things. Um, I think I think it might have been on Match of the Day. It was on some sort of punditry gig that he was doing, and he described he, he praised players and described them as being good British lads. Um, and I'm pretty sure one of them in that one of the players he named was Irish as well. And it's just like no no further insight. They're good British lads. No further insight. Oh, mate, tactics, Tim. I'd say Tim Sherwood still probably harbors ambition. Like he hasn't worked for a long time, but that he could definitely would oh, see yeah, himself as being able to do a me. job yeah. at uh, White Hart Lane. What job he could do at White Hart Lane is a different story, but he probably could do a job at White Hart Lane. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I say White Hart Lane. Trim the, he can trim the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the putting green for Gareth Bale. He can play golf. He could be a golf buddy. He could help him assimilate. He definitely plays golf. So. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm just guessing that I'm saying definitely, but uh, I don't. I'm not sure about that. But I'm at the same time also sure that Tim Sherwood plays golf. Uh, it's almost like he's wearing. You, know, you can always tell there are certain people who kind of are always dressed in golf clothes, uh, even when they do punditry. Because it's like you know, I may, I may, you know, whenever I can get to the golf course, I, I just got to be ready. Uh, so uh, he's one of them. Okay, well, look at um, we can look forward to what comes next uh, at Spurs, and probably lots more signings to come as well before this transfer window slams shut, because that's the only thing a transfer window can do. Dion Fanning and Ruben Painter, thanks very much for the show today, and thanks to you guys for listening. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe to never miss a show, and we will talk again the far side of the weekend after the action. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation tomorrow, bro. It's people's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that. Politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shave.